This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by Acts 29 with an invitation to their 2024 Next Conference happening April 15th through the 17th in Dallas, Texas. You don't want to miss this great lineup of speakers, including Sam Albury, Matt Chandler, Brian Loritz, John Piper, and more. The Next Conference will equip and encourage church planters and church leaders of all types for church ministry. To learn more and register for Next, visit acts29.com slash next. TGC podcast listeners will receive a special discount of $20 off registration prices by using the code TGC. Again, visit acts29.com slash next. That's acts29.com slash next. This episode of TGC Podcast is brought to you by Crossway, publisher of the ESV Scripture Journal. Each ESV Scripture Journal pairs the entirety of an individual book of the Bible with lightly lined blank pages opposite each page of Bible text, allowing readers to take extended notes or record insights and prayers directly beside corresponding passages of Scripture. These thin, portable notebooks are great for personal Bible reading and reflection, small group study, writing out extended portions of scripture, or taking notes through a sermon series. Pick up an ESV scripture journal wherever Bibles are sold, or visit crossway.org plus to find out how you can get 30% off. Welcome to the Gospel Coalition Podcast, equipping the next generation of believers, pastors, and church leaders to shape life and ministry around the gospel. On today's episode, you'll hear a panel discussion led by Sarah Zalstra with Amy Gannett, Blair Lynn, and Laura Wiffler on why we need social sanity. This panel was originally recorded at TGC's 2022 Women's Conference. My name is Sarah Zylstra. I write stories of where God is at work in the world for the Gospel Coalition. And we're just going to kind of go down the line first of all. And these ladies will introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're, um, how they currently use social media. Yep. Hi, guys. Hi guys, I'm Laura Whiffler, and um, I am mainly on Instagram, almost exclusively. I do have a Facebook account, but um, I'm generally on, face, uh, on Instagram, and then I also oversee Instagram for a, um, and so all social media for an online platform called Risen Motherhood, and I'm the executive director there and um, help our team with engaging in social media on that platform. Excellent. All right. Hey, ladies. My name is Blair Lynn. I feel like I'm loud. <laughs> using the stage poetry voice. Um, I am currently, well, I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, and I am currently on Facebook. I'm primarily on Facebook. I actually had a kind of more artist account a couple years ago that I canceled. And so now it's just really easy going on Facebook. It's more of personal connection with friends and family. Um, I'm on Twitter, not as often because it's a little rowdy over there. <laughs> So I don't post a whole lot, and I really love Instagram. So that's kind of my thing right now, um, and that's where I share the majority of content related to, you know, books that I'm writing or projects that I'm working on. Hi, I'm Amy Gannett, and I am primarily on Instagram. I also have a Facebook account. Um, the only thing I use it for is cross-posting from Instagram. 
Um, and I was on Twitter for a very long time. Twitter used to be my primary platform, and it got a little hairy over there for me. And so now I am predominantly on Instagram. So I run um, my account, which focuses a lot on women's discipleship, teaching theology, discipleship in the home, that sort of thing. Um, but I also run and operate a small business ministry called Tiny Theologians, where we make um, discipleship resources for ages 2 to 12. And so I am a part of the marketing team for Tiny Theologians. So I use that account, built that account, um, and its primary goal is marketing of our little shop. So those are the two accounts that I run, and it's predominantly still on Instagram. Okay, very good. Um, maybe you're like me. Uh, I got on social media, well, maybe you didn't get on this long ago, about 15 years ago, sort of when it was first starting to open up, and it was so fun and um, felt so happy there. I was, it was a place where I, I was a young mom, which felt isolating, and then I was a homeschool mom, which has also felt isolating. But to be able to pop into an account, a Facebook account, which is what I had then, and to be able to connect with other people, to see friends I hadn't seen in a really long time, it just felt warm and um, exciting and fun. Um, and then somewhere over the course of those 15 years, it started to just feel not as fun. And I felt more anxious and irritated with it and irritated with myself. Um, and I, I just kind of ground to a halt with it in which I didn't really know what to do. I felt like I couldn't get rid of my accounts. Um, I felt like I had too much invested there. Or what if I lost track of the people? I could give myself a thousand reasons why I should stay on. Um, so I didn't want to lose them, but I also didn't really want to use them, and I didn't know how to use them well. So last year, we began working on a book that is called Social Sanity in Insta World, and we worked on this book for the past year. There's nine, eight or nine authors that contributed chapters to this book um, in which we started um, digging into issues of identity, discernment, influence, should I stay on? We are not going to rehash all those for you because you can just buy the book. Um, and if you did that, you probably don't want me to just say the whole thing again. Um, but what we're going to do instead today is begin to talk a little, deepen that conversation a little bit. One of the things that we hammered on in this book, and I think you just have to come back to as the root, if you're really going to start thinking about your social media habits, is why am I on here? That has to be the first question that you ask. What are... Um, what am I hoping to get out of this? What am I hoping to give through this? What, are, what am I doing here? If you can't answer that question well, it's maybe time to think, like, should I even be on in the first place? Um, which is a legitimate question to ask as well. Um, I know the primary reasons maybe that would come to mind, because um, when we did, we did a survey, and a lot of people answered it like this, was by far and away, number one, to connect with friends and family is why lots and lots of people go on. And a secondary close second to that, I'm sure, is... Um, to minister to other women, to be a witness for Jesus. Um, and so we're going to dig into that. To those starting off in this panel, those are the things that we're going to dig into a little bit. How do we do that really well? Blair, do you want to start with talking about connecting to friends and family? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's something like 67% of people who get on social media, they say that they do it for the sake of connecting with friends and family. Um, I think, you know, technology has completely shifted how we socialize, 
you know? And I think there are some benefits to social media when it comes to connecting with family and friends. For example, if your friends and family are far away from you, right? There's the benefit of being able to stay connected. Um, we have seen the, the benefit even in a pandemic, right? Where there's distance. I think it gives us a global awareness of different issues that maybe um, that, that other people are grappling with that we care about, right? That our friends and family are, are grappling with. Uh, I think it helps us also to find like-minded people, people that, you know, we can connect with over similar uh, likes and similar interests. Uh, I think the downside, though, is that, um, you know, with the amount of people that say that they're there to actually connect with family and friends, it's actually a very small amount that actually do connect, right? Um, you know, and I think we have to realize that the platform is intended to keep us on as long as possible. So you do, you go in, and it's important that we have purpose and why we're on there. But oftentimes we go in there for one purpose, and then it's like we can't get off the app, you know, because because of the algorithms. And so now you're getting shopping uh, ideas thrown before your eyes or a celebrity that they're saying you should follow or a person that someone you follow is following. Um, and so I think it can be dangerous in that way and that you look up and it's like, I just wanted to share a picture of my babies. And now, you know, I'm all into like some controversy, you know, um, you know, or I'm just invested in something that it's like, does this even really matter? And I think we do have to keep in mind, um, you know, just the dopamine, you know, that is released that there is this you know, the neurotransmitters that will allow you to have this sense of reward. And so you post a picture of your friends or to post, you know, so that your friends or your family can see what's going on in your life. And then you start getting likes. And it's like, oh, well, I like that. You know, I like that I'm being liked. Um, I want more of that. And before you know it, you're kind of in this trap. So, you know, my thought is just to be aware, to be alert um, of what your goal is. And are you actually meeting that goal? And is the goal on social media that you have to connect with family and friends, is it actually hindering you from connecting with actual family and friends? Like in your real life, um, not the friends and family across the broad, you know, that are, in, are, are far away from you are not real, but you do have a community of people that's right here, a local church, I'm sure, people that you need to connect with, and sometimes we can be so focused on social media that we miss out on those relationships. That is excellent. I just want to throw two statistics on there to build off of hers. Um, we did a survey last fall of TGC women, very unscientific. We just asked a bunch of questions on email, but it was interesting. In fact, more, more, far into the 80% said that the primary reason is to connect to friends and family. But then when we said, what's the primary way you connect with friends and family? Less than 2% said social media. And you know this. If you want to tell your mom something, you don't post it on Instagram and hope she sees it, right? We know that. You call her or like you WhatsApp or, or Vox or whatever you're doing. Um, so there's just, I was, that made me think, what's the return on investment here? Am I putting too much time? I mean, we spend, 60% of us in TGC Women spend more than an hour a day on social media, which is probably too much for like those middle school friends we lost track of and not, right? Like, ooh, I don't know. Amy, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of encouragement and, and how to be a light on social media when we want to do that. How do we do that? Yeah, well? that is, I think, one of the 
like you said, we have to answer the why question. Why am I showing up in this space? Um, because whether or not you have a large following or a small following, it's going to cost you something to show up. Right? You're stepping into a room or you're stepping into a world or into a current that is going somewhere and it's going to cost you something to be there. So asking the question of why am I here is really important. And one of the reasons that I am on social media that I haven't um, totally gotten off altogether is because I believe that part of the calling God has placed on my life is to do discipleship in a public sphere. I do discipleship in my local church, but God has also called me to do discipleship on a public platform and to teach theology and to help women um, read their Bibles and understand what they're reading. So that's part of why I keep showing up there is because that is still a part of the burden and the joy, the joyful burden that God has placed on my life. And so um, answering the why question actually helps me understand the how of how I will show up on social media and what kind of content I'm going to produce, um, which helps me count the cost. So for me, this is just, if I could pull back the curtain, just share with you how I decide what I'm going to put on social media in this discipleship, theology, teaching, Bible study category, a big part of what I want to accomplish is helping women read their Bibles, understand what they're reading, but I know I can't be a mentor on social media. I know I can't call out sin in someone's life. This is a one-way mirror. I'm only sharing and I can't see. This is not a mentorship relationship. And so I have to acknowledge those limitations, which changes how and what I'm producing. So I can teach women how to do biblical word studies. It's so fun to nerd out over Greek and Hebrew words, over literary genre, over the literary structure of the Book of Lamentations. I mean, it's so fun to share that information. And I feel like I went to seminary and gained a toolbox, like full of tools to study the Bible. And I just, I can pass those out on social media. But what I can't do is sit with you in your quiet time. What I can't do is answer questions of, when do I know that this relationship needs to end? I can't answer those things. Um, but what I can do is help you study the word and then walk in, in trust that you will walk in the spirit and follow the Lord in those um, areas of application in your life. So understanding why I'm there and what can actually be accomplished, that those teaching um, moments, sharing about theology, passing out tools, that actually helps me determine what can feasibly be done. I think one of the pitfalls that we see is when women get on social media because they want to encourage other women or they want to um, do discipleship in the online space is we get confused really quickly that we can actually participate in a hands-on way in the spiritual formation of another when really that is why God has given us the local church and that is not our job and when we think it's our job we are thinking far too highly of ourselves and the platforms that God has given us um, and we need to rush people back to their local churches so that's why I'm on and it shapes the how and the what of what I do on social media. And I think another facet to this conversation of kind of what you're talking about, Amy, is on the creator side, but also thinking about how it affects you on the consumer side. Because I think at its very, very best, like the absolute best, social media really can be kind of a Titus II type experience, right? We can learn discipleship type things. We can even learn how to bake bread. We can um, learn how to sew clothes. We can learn how to get grass stains out of the, the soccer jersey, all of those kind of things. And it's beautiful. 
But on the other side of things, oftentimes we're not really thinking about who or what is influencing us. And Sarah and I were just talking behind the scenes a little bit about this, where there's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you might not even spend that much time on social media, but you need to ask yourself kind of, who am I being discipled by? Who, who am I consuming from? Who is influencing me? And if your feed is curated with a lot of people who are into high fashion or, you know, different types of food and ways of eating or whatever, you will become what you behold. And you will begin, even if you don't spend a lot of time there, like you will start at least wanting to be like those people. And, and you wanna be very discerning with who those people are because you might say, well, I only watch her stories for 15 seconds a day. But then 365 days a year for five years, that, per that person has a lot of influence in your life. Or a lot of people's stories, I'm just like very generous to say 15 seconds. A lot of people's are three minutes, five minutes. So think about how much content you're taking in from that person. And it might not feel like a lot, but when you start thinking, I'm engaging with this every single day. You know, that might be more than with women in your church or with, um, with your own mother or things like that. And so I just think that's like an important side. There's always kind of two sides on social media. There's that creator side and kind of what you're doing and putting out there, but then also what you're taking in. I just wanted to add to that just as a consumer. Um, I think it's important to know what platform actually best suits you. Um, one of the things that I realized, I, I was on like TikTok for a hot minute like for maybe like a month and then I realized this is making me crazy <laughs> like you know I mean I think just the idea of you even though you can curate some of you know what you're receiving but it's just videos popping in front of you you don't know what's coming um, I just felt like I would often just feel anxious as I would spend time on there as so I was like yep nope I'm just deleting that <laughs> that's not for me um, yeah yeah, I think we, we often like run to social media because we feel anxiety, right? We're in our homes and we're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do right now. And so we're like, let's just get on my phone and check out Instagram. You know, it feels like this comforting thing that we're going to approach. But I think we have to ask ourselves, am I anxious because uh, and, and need to get on social media to get rid of that? Or am I actually anxious because I'm on social media? And a lot of times we are not actually finding the source. And I think we're going to talk about it, so I don't want to jump ahead. Go but ahead. Jump. well, just with, with breaks and fast. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Go. Okay. Go. I want us to talk about social media breaks. <laughs> and, go ahead. I'm going to say something first. Um, when we did our survey, um, it, it matters how old you are, what you struggle with the most on social media. And if you are in Gen Z, like 25 and younger, the thing you struggle with the most is body image. And this makes sense if you think about it for even two seconds, because that's when you're going through puberty or you're supposed to be at your most physically attractive stage. So body image is far and away at that age, the hardest thing. Now, women our age, what you guys said in this survey is time. Like you just feel like you either lose time on it um, and it just, it makes your life feel like you don't have a lot of time. So I was thinking about this a little bit and I, you know, you can look at your screen thing and it'll tell you how long you were on each thing. But I think that's, that's a little bit false. Because if I'm looking at my phone, um, like I've got a couple minutes before the kids come home from school or something, and I jump on a social media to look at it, and then they come home from school, I'm, I'm irritated that they're interrupting me. I'm also, my mind is still thinking about that, right? Like it takes, a, how long are you, am I still processing all of those many things? Um, and so I'm, my brain is not even in my physical world around me. I'm still just thinking like, oh man, Sam from middle school or, you know, like whatever, like boy, Joe over there, what's he doing? Like I'm, I'm thinking about all of that. Um, and so there's a long tail that we're not counting the cost of. Um, if I'm not on social media and I have those 
couple minutes before my kids come home and I think, oh, my kids are coming home. Like, what are we going to, they're going to have a little bit of time. Probably they're going to, I should get on them to do some homework and it's super hot. What if I just made a really quick thing of lemonade? And then when my kids come in the door, I am present. I've already been thinking about them or the next phase of my day. I've prepared for it, even if it's a 30 second thing. Um, I don't feel like I'm squished for time. I don't feel irritated with them for interrupting me. And my mind is, is in my actual life. Let's talk about breaks. Okay. I love that. That's that, that is a perfect example of the beauty of breaks. And I feel like an important part of this conversation kind of does get into the science. I like that you talked about dopamine because I think the, the reality with dopamine is it works like a teeter totter. So it always, your brain always wants to be in balance with the pleasure and pain reward system. So if you experience like a spike in pleasure, then you're going to have a downward movement towards pain. Um, and so then your body balances it out. It's a really good thing, right? We want to be calibrated and kind of sit at this level. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that as you have more hits of dopamine, you need that higher and higher spike, right? That's why influencers always say, well, I just want more followers or we want, you know, I just always want one more Frito. I just, I need one more, one more chip, you know, one more piece of cake, whatever it is. And so, because you're always trying to, you feel this dip in pleasure. And so you want to go back, I'm sorry, you feel this dip into pain and then you want to go back and get um, some pleasure. And what happens though, is that as that goes up, 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 and you need higher and higher stimuli, um, you actually become more immune to typical natural things that God has designed for you to find pleasure in like a sunset, like your children, like your husband's laugh. So there's all of these things that as we put basically like false, it could be TV, it could, lots of different things, not just social media, but as we gain like this higher and higher tolerance, um, we're actually depriving ourselves of the joy that's found in the people in front of us, in friends and family that we could connect to in real life. Um, and so I just, I think that's like a, a very real part of the conversation is like, how do we figure out the tolerance with these things. And we still want to be able to engage in social media. It doesn't mean throw it out. I mean, I still drink coffee. Um, I still eat chips, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that is why panels like this, books like this, I think are so important so that we are engaging really wisely. And with breaks, um, those are, I feel like I got really loud for a sec. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think that those are really, really key in how we're thinking through uh, how to kind of balance this pleasure plane reward system. So I'm talking a lot and I know you guys have lots to say, so. I was just gonna add to that. I mean, I think uh, it's helpful to think through how do you know if you need to take a break, right? Um, and I think there's some, I'll share some things. I think if you're going to social media for a coping mechanism, I think you need to consider a break. Um, if you're going to it to fill a void, if you're going to social media to feel a sense of value or worth, um, I think if you go to social media, as we talked about, and you're feeling stressed, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed, uh, I think that those are all things that I think are worthy of considering taking a step back from it. I don't know if you guys think of anything else. Well, and, and I would say that you might not know that answer, right? Like you, again, you might have your things reversed and be like, well, I'm not stressed out. Like, I'm totally fine, you know? And you, you might just say like, it's my life or it's my cra crazy kids or it's the job or whatever. And so for me, Another piece to this this kind of dopamine conversation, um, I won't nerd out on it all day long. This is this is my Hebrew and Greek. <laughs> um, but another piece to this is that everyone will have different tolerances, right? So like you say, I'm a salty girl. I'm a sweet girl. You know, like you have friends that love dessert and you have friends that love the salty food. And the same thing happens with a different 
piece, media or addictive things that we engage in. And so some people might have a very high tolerance for social media. And it, genuinely might not affect them very much. But then you might have this other friend who's like, man, every time I get on there, like, oh, I just roar, you know, I just go crazy. And you're like, oh, I mean, I kind of get it, but I don't really get it. That's, that's okay, right? Like we need to allow each other to have different tolerances. But that's where I go back to what you're saying, Blair, is that you really may not know how social media is affecting you until you experience withdrawal. And like, I'm a high tolerance person. I can handle a lot of social media. I can handle a lot of negativity and I'm just like, okay. And, but yet I took a 30 day fast last October, my first one ever in like 12 years. And it was eye opening just the ways that I realized, oh, I do rely on social media and social media does affect me. And it was a lot like whole 30, terrible, terrible <laughs> day 16. I was like ready to just roar at someone for sure. So, um, but anyway, try a fast to figure it out. I think one thing that has also helped me, I haven't done a long-term fast, but there are times- <gasps> You should. I, I'm, I'm an advocate. I'm thinking about Do it. it I'm praying to it. it, genuinely. I, I'm, I got to the point a couple of, um, like a month ago, maybe six weeks ago now, where I felt what Sarah was describing, that tail. Like I would get off social media and I felt that my mind was still present in the social media world. I was more concerned with what was happening in my absence in the space than I was for what was happening in my home in my daily life. And it was exasperating to me. Um, it was emotionally draining because I didn't want to feel that way. I didn't want to be distracted while I'm helping my daughter put on her shoes, but I was. I didn't want to be frustrated with my kids, but I was. And I wanted to clip that tail. Like I wanted to say, I I, I can get on it, um, but I want to be able to get off and be off. Um, and the language that I kind of kept coming back to in that conversation was, uh, I told my husband, I want to feel the edges of my life again. I felt so numb to the texture of my in-person daily life, and I wanted to feel it again. And one of the things that has helped me, um, it's a little mechanism, and I don't know all the science behind the dopamine hits um, like Laura does. I've read a little bit on it, but minuscule in comparison to what you've read about it. But one of the things that's helped me is I'm a person who struggles with anxiety, um, in general, and I struggled pretty significantly with postpartum anxiety after my first was born. And um, I have a three-month-old, and so in preparation, um, sort of readying myself for potentially struggling with postpartum anxiety again, one of the things that I started doing was um, a coping mechanism for anxiety. You may have heard of it. If you feel on the edge of a panic attack, you can go through all your five senses and name something you can hear, something you can see, something you can smell, something you can feel, you know, all those things. And I have actually found that when I get off social media, if I can cue into just one of each of those, it actually grounds me back in my physical world. I shut off my phone and all of a sudden I notice that I'm smelling um, that the coffee is just about ready and I feel um, the pages of my Bible if I'm sitting there for my quiet time um, under my fingers where I feel my sweater and I can hear my child waking up from their nap. Um, or whatever it is, it just cues me in. It turns me back, it tunes me back in to my real life world. And it actually helps me appreciate in a really wonderful way how sweet life is. Life in this world is really wonderful because God has given us all of these joys and pleasures to be enjoyed. And so that is one really small way um, that I've learned to clip that tail to get off and be off. Um, now, there's something 
that you mentioned that is kind of um, making me think about something. So if this is too hard of a left, circle us back around, Sarah. But one of the things that I think is so important is for us to consider the different platforms of social media and what they're designed for. And it's interesting if we think about it, if we think about a history of social media, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but all of us up here were around when MySpace existed. So maybe you didn't, but all of us are here back in the day when um, it really was just a platform for you to really customize and you could do some customization and you could put out content and then if you wanted to go see something from a friend you had to seek it out um, and you had to be really selective and you had to be kind of creative like you had to be kind of thoughtful and then we moved into the Facebook world and we moved into the Instagram world and we're moving into the TikTok world and if you notice platforms are becoming more and more self-propelled they're giving us a lot less freedom and I think it's important that we stop and recognize what they're asking of us. They are not asking for engagement. They are asking for submission. TikTok is asking for us to be subject to whatever they decide to put in front of our eyes. And so I'm, what I'm not here to do is say TikTok is vile and nobody should ever consider using it. What I'm saying is by knowing what's demanded of us when we get on these platforms, then we can create counter habits that help us remember who do we submit to, ladies? We are not submissive to social media platforms. We are submissive to our savior. And so we need counterintuitive um, habits that re-trigger our brains into submission to God and to stand our ground in the Lord. So I think knowing the platform and knowing what it's actually been designed to do. And, and if you were to ask the founders of TikTok, the founders of Meta, what they designed these apps to do, they are unashamedly telling you that they want to put what they want in front of our eyes. And so they're not being shy about it, so we need to not be shy about our counter- action as well. So um, I think what I'm hearing is that in order to, to stop and think about this well, we first actually do need to stop and like take some sort of a break. Um, I think John Piper says that like, Christian fasting shows you the desires of your heart or the idols of your heart or something. So even if it's just a little bit longer than would be normal for you, if that's an hour or a morning or a day or a week, whatever would feels like a little bit longer than comfortable to examine what's in your heart and then to think, why am I here or discuss with your family or your closest friends? Like, what do I actually want in this? Why am I here? And then I love what you're talking about, like with the, the, the touch, like getting back into your real life. Are there other habits that you ladies have or tips about if we're going to stay? And I'll just tell you right now, I've been off now for two months from everything. And it is the most amazing thing in the whole world. Everyone should just get off social media. Um, it is so good. My thoughts are clearer and more complex and I can read chapters in a book and I just feel so much more rooted and grounded in my life. I am um, planning better. I feel like I have oodles more time. And really, you guys, I was barely on and I still feel like I have oodles more time. I think it's just the brain pressure that it has taken off. Um, so num my number one recommendation is to leave entirely, but say you don't want to leave entirely. Do you have, a, like, what's your, your, um, guidelines or how do you think through, or what do you implement in your own lives that are healthy social media habits? 
Yeah, for me, I mean, I think it's, first of all, important to curate who you're following. And, you know, there have been times where I've been following people, and especially on Twitter, they will recommend people that the people I'm following are following. And I'm not interested in those people. And so sometimes I have to delete the people I'm following. Um, you know, so you determine what comes before you. Uh, and that's what I do appreciate as much as you can control it on certain platforms. Seek to do that. Um, Another thing that I have done is I've deleted apps for a certain period of time. Like that's been helpful for me. Um, you know, just to say, I find myself getting on it too often. And I think we spend much more time on social media than we actually sometimes are willing to admit because we can go to it when we're quote unquote bored, you know, or, oh, I just have a minute. Let me just open up the app for a minute. And you look up, you've been there for five minutes or 10 minutes. And so, you know, we do that too often. Um, I think putting down the phone when my children are around, that's huge. Because I notice my children saying, oh, can we have a phone? You know, and I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, I'm a millennial, so, you know, I didn't get a phone until, you know, I was later in life. And so I know what it was like before having a smartphone. And so I do fight for that time to be able to read and enjoy nature. Um, and so, yeah, just fighting for that time, being able to read. And everything is not just a snippet, you know, being able to identify what's true, because you oftentimes you don't have the ability to know if what is put before you is actually a fact, um, you know, because it often isn't fact checked. So, you know, just knowing what are the sources, I think raising those questions, um, you know, you see things also like cyberbullying happening. Um, you know, now I'm pretty mild on social media. I haven't had too many I've had some people who have said some mean things, um, but it's been a little mild compared to others, you know? And so just knowing when you need to get off, like if there's just unhelpful things that people are communicating to you, just take a break, you know? So those are a few things that I've done. There you go. Okay, um, everything she said, ditto, I love that. I, I um, have also found great help in the iPhone's like focus feature where you don't get calls and um, notifications or anything like that. And the big reason I do that, I don't get alerts for any of my social media platforms, um, but it allows you to kind of get into like a, I'm, I'm a big fan of Cal Newport's deep work. And so to just like be able to dig in deep and whether that's, you know, hey, I'm gonna bake six casseroles this morning and I'm gonna give them to people or I'm, I'm working on a book project or whatever it is, you're able to like get a lot of focus and that's just a quick way to like have your phone stop talking to you um, and kind of put it away in a drawer and just say like, I'm not going to even touch my phone unless it rings with my you know emergency contacts, which my husband and I have a few of those, um, but I'll hear that and I'm able to just kind of focus in. And I think that gives you a nice chunk every day to not get sucked into the vortex whenever, like my thumb will literally, like I will be like, I'm gonna go to text and it will somehow go to Instagram. I don't even know how it, I don't, I'm like being very serious. I'm like, how did that happen? I didn't mean to get here. And um, so, you know, just kind of getting that away. But then if you are planning on taking taking a break, kind of like I talked about earlier with like a 30 minute, di I'm sorry, a 30 day fast. Um, I recommend that because they say it takes 30 days to make or break a habit. Um, and so it's just kind of a good number. You could do less and you could do more, of course, but 30 days does seem to be a good amount of time if you're saying, hey, I wanna kind of go through the swing of emotions of what it really looks like for me to be off social media, to really understand my habits, to understand my why. Um, I would recommend that amount of time, but 
of course, you can do anything you want. Um, and then journal your way through it, uh, just like you would any anything else to just say, day one, this is how I feel. It's no big deal. And day five, it's becoming a bigger deal, or I have FOMO, or whatever it might be, and kind of work work through it. And I think it was really helpful for me on the en other end to be able to look back at these notes and say, okay, I definitely hadn't experienced a big dip and a day where I felt like this is the dumbest, like, why am I doing this? I should just get back on. And I had all these kind of like, whatever feelings, but then realizing the surge in creativity, the surge in what Sarah's talking about, of like being able to think ahead of being more present and engaged of having a longer attention span and all of these things that you don't really realize that you were missing. You start noticing those a, a few weeks out. And those are just benefits that you might not have realized that, that you were missing. And then before you re-enter and re-engage, really thinking through how is it all these questions that we're asking how is it that we want to who do we want to be on social media what do we want to consume and when do we do it I have a friend who does a week on a week off a week on a week off um, I have friends who take like a monthly uh, I'm sorry a yearly sabbatical for like one month or they took the whole summer off or anything like that so you can kind of pick those things but do that before you re-enter because you won't re-enter and then be like oh yeah I was gonna make these rules and boundaries and um, there's just something about, I think, realizing that social media is a tool, not a toy. And so often we think of it as a soft, cuddly teddy bear. You know, we're just, we're just, oh, it's so fun in there. I love it. All my friends are there. And we just get, we just hold on to it like a toy that we don't need to have any worries about. But really it's a chainsaw. And you need to read the user's manual before you pick that thing up because it could really hurt you. And so those are the ways that we need to start viewing social media instead of just saying i'm going to engage this ignorantly it's really saying okay i'm going to take some time away figure out kind of who i am apart from this and then what does it look like for it to be integrated into my life in a really healthy way with submission to the savior i like that yeah i think all of this is really really helpful especially as we think about consuming social media so i'll share that is if i could say something that's what i would say about consuming so I'll say something for those of us producing, for those of us creating. So you might be here and you're thinking, um, I want to grow my social media platform because I want, I'm creating things that I want to get out into the world. And I, I want to commend that impulse. Um, when we create things that God has placed on we create things that the Lord has given us to put into the hands of his people that are a blessing to them. We're being obedient by sharing them with others. Um, and so insofar as the Lord has called you to share the message he's placed on your heart or the things you've created with others, um, feel, feel the freedom to use social media as a tool, as one of the tools to communicate to others the message God has given you. Um, but for those of us who are creating, one of the messages we hear constantly about social media is that we should um, maybe be about one, two, maybe three things. So the goal of making your personal Instagram into a brand is to drill down on just the things God has called you to. And there's not that's not altogether bad. Um, it gives sometimes an audience clarity about why you're showing up in that space, what you're there to do, what you're not there to do, that sort of thing. So some people find it really helpful to have these boundaries. I'm here, I share, I write about three things. I was even talking to another speaker here at the conference who said, on Mondays I post about this topic, on Tuesday I post about this topic, on Wednesday this, and Saturday this, and that is it. Um, and so her brain, as a result, um, for good 
good or for ill, and she wasn't even sure, for good or for ill is constantly thinking, which day of the week is this thing that I'm experiencing right now in my real life? Which day of the week does that fit into? Because I'll share it on one of the things. But the result is that what we have done is encouraged people to think more and more narrowly about the life and calling God has given them. And the result can be a really clear set of communication principles for our platforms, which is helpful in one way, but it saps creativity. Instead of thinking about a topic in a complex way, I mean, I was even telling my husband the other day, we were walking through the yard, pushing our daughter on the swing, watering the garden, and I suddenly had this memory of being in seminary and going on walks and letting my mind wander down theological rabbit trails. And you know what I don't do anymore is wander mentally and wonder about things and think, I know this theological principle and this one, are they somehow related? And what is happening in our current church moment and cultural present day? What it, how are these things related? I'm not thinking those complex thoughts like you mentioned. Um, I'm not letting my brain wander because it's easy to be convinced that we need to boil ourselves and our callings down to two, maybe three things. And so I think if those principles help you, use those principles. Do it if it's beneficial to you. But don't forget that creativity happens when we are letting ourselves outside of just that box. We have to wonder about something. Let our brains tickle with a question. And instead of reaching for our phones to look up the answer or to find somebody who can speak to it right away, to find, is anybody else teaching on this? Does this product exist in the world? Is there an influencer for this category? Instead of that, letting ourselves be human and think human thoughts after God and letting that be part of how God has wired us. He's wired us to wonder and wander in our mental capacity. That's part of the Imago Day, And so pushing pause, if you find yourself only thinking, does this fit into this category? Does this fit into this silo? Letting your brain wander and think about things and ponder things, because that's actually where the creativity that God has called us to as content creators that is where that's going to thrive the most. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Gospel Coalition podcast. Check out more gospel-centered resources at thegospelcoalition.org.